welcome to Church Chat. It's great to have you listening. I'm Crawford Paul, and today we're going to talk about a very difficult subject, and it directly relates to what's going on in North America, specifically in the United States, and that is the subject of racism. And it's difficult because many Christians have such polar opposite views on how we should handle this subject. They also have some very strong views on whether this even exists. I've had discussions with people that would say that uh, the whole systemic racism view is just a myth, that it's hyped up, that that the statistics are skewed. And I, I have people on the other side who say, no, like, it's very real, and the statistics that are that are promoting this kind of hatred are skewed as well. So it's extremely difficult. And I'd like to just take this time to step back and think about this subject from a biblical point of view. I'm sure we have all heard the names of Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, Freddie Gray, Eric Garner, Philando Castile, Botham Jean, uh, George Floyd, of course. Um, these names have become household names, and there's many, many more. There's just a few names that come to mind. And I'm sure we've at least heard of, if we haven't seen, the videos of mostly black men, but some black women too, who have been completely humiliated and ultimately killed. And it seems like, and I'm not saying that it is, and I'm not saying that in every case it is, but it certainly seems like they were targeted because of their skin color. None of us here can deny the fact that the heart of man and women is desperately wicked. And racism is very much uh, a sin that plagues all of us to some extent. I certainly would not have called myself a racist, and I still don't call myself a racist person. I was raised to believe that, that we are all equal and that there is no difference in the skin color. And that is what I hold and 100% believe. I think the Bible speaks about that, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. This whole process in the last two weeks has caused me to evaluate my heart and to recognize that while I love my brothers and sisters in Christ who are of all different races, and I love all people, there are still tendencies that I have that are bias, that are prejudice. And I hate that in myself. I hate the fact that I have these thoughts that come to my mind but they exist and they're there and I'm going to the Lord and saying, Let, let's clean this up in my life. And I think or a lot of people are not willing to be honest with themselves because it's not easy. It's not easy to say, yes, I have tendencies that are, that are racist. Am I a racist person at, at, at the core value of my theology? No, I'm not. But in the practice of everyday life, I can display those tendencies. And, and I ask for forgiveness from 
any that might have experienced that from me. There is this discussion right now called implicit bias. It's this idea that that we have prejudices that we're not aware of. We don't realize we have them. And I think that's something that we all need to evaluate. And if you're listening today, and for whatever reason, you have a belief that there is a difference between a person who has black skin and a person who has white skin, that somehow one is more superior, then I ask you to kindly go to the Lord and have an honest discussion and and say, Lord, if this is not true, show me your word, because I want to tell you just straight up, I believe it's flat out wrong to think that. I think it is wrong to consider that any person has any level of superiority or inferiority based on their skin color. It just isn't what the Bible teaches, not what God teaches. And it's something that we need to consider. Now, you know, we don't have time. We're not going to get into historical discussion. We could talk about redlining. We could talk about Jim Crow laws. We could talk about the the whole racist divide that has existed um, in the United States for hundreds of years, slavery and all of those things. But I really just want to talk mostly about what's happening right now and how the church can shine the light of Christ brightly throughout this particular time period in our history. So let's start off. I just want to make three simple statements that I believe to be absolutely true. First is that God created all of us equally. I believe that fundamentally. I believe that the scriptures teach it all throughout, from starting from Adam and Eve right through to the end that God does not have a respecter of persons. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't look down on any particular group and say that they are better or more superior or in any way higher than any other group. God created every human equally. We've been knit together in the womb, created specially by God. The second thing is that God loves everyone equally. And I know that there are Christians that don't believe that. I think they're wrong. I believe God teaches very clearly that God has no special love for any particular person, that he loves the entire world so much so that he was willing to give his own son to a cross to die for the sins of every single person. Black, white, brown, yellow, whatever color your skin is, whatever gender, whatever, whoever is alive, God loves that person and he sent his son for that person. The third thing that I want to say, first thing is God created us all equal. He loves us equally. And here's the third thing. Salvation is offered to everyone equally. There is no one excluded from God's offer of salvation. Whosoever will may come, that whosoever believes in him, the whosoever is the entire world. Every race, every person has the opportunity to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. So just those three things that stand out that I want to just say right off the start. So as we get into this discussion, I'd like us to consider some of the more practical things about this topic, which is really tearing not only just nations apart, 
right now, but it's tearing the church apart. And that's what worries me a lot that, that we're going to have, and we have, I've already seen it fighting between Christians on the views around this subject. Should we protest? Should we not protest? Should we, you know, black out our, or social media profiles? Should we, I mean, the, the heated debate that goes on, I, I just don't feel is honoring to the Lord at all. I think it makes the Lord Jesus look really, really bad. And so I'd like us to think through uh, some of those things. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you a good friend of mine, Reba, who lives in New Jersey, and she has been involved in this discussion for the last little while. And uh, Reba, thanks for joining us today and being willing to talk about this. And so just give a little introduction to yourself. Hi, I'm Reba. As Crawford said, I am from Elmwood Park, New Jersey, about 10 miles out of uh, New York City. I was born in India and my family um, and I moved here when I was eight years old. And I pretty much lived in the same town, just from one end of town to the other end of town. And yeah, I'm thankful to have the opportunity to talk about this really important topic, especially as it really does affect each and every one of us. Where I'm gonna speak from is I go to a mixed assembly where we do have black people in our assembly. And then beyond that, we're also in a predominantly black neighborhood or at least the part of the neighborhood that we're in is. So the issues of uh, racial injustice, it matters quite a lot to me. So, so Reba, this is obviously a huge subject um, and there's so many things we could talk about, but in your own words, tell us just what you think are the main issues. What's the main problem behind all of this in the United States? The larger issue is really the mistreatment and uh, violence against uh, the black community and specifically the police violence against the black community because as we've seen it over and over again and there have been plenty of articles and studies that just show the bias that law enforcement has against black people and so it's just really dealing with that and the second part of that is just fighting the systemic issue like we're not going to solve you know, the problem of racism overnight. But the thing is, we're not attacked. Like, yes, we are speaking to and wanting to change individual racism, but really it can only change if there is a complete, like, systemic change. We've gone from slavery to segregation, which, you know, lynching, Jim Crow laws, and then it moves on to mass incarceration and a penal system that disproportionately affects Black men. So there's just all these underlying issues which just limit the opportunities or when people do get the opportunities, it limits the amount of support that they have or how they're viewed in society. So that's, you know, the larger issue. And then among the church specifically, one of the biggest things that we're just talking about now is talking about it. The fact that Christians don't necessarily talk about race, whether it's uncomfortable or they don't want to or whatever the case is, I think Christians have a really hard time coming to terms with the fact that we have, you know, we have our inherent biases, we all have prejudices and just addressing that, dealing with it and um, repenting of it. And then moving forward, it's not just about like, okay, I'm going to try and not be racist, but actively uh, seeking 
to be anti-racist and that's not like necessarily an easy thing but we've just been listening to a lot of the stories from the kids in our community over the past week and a half and they've been absolutely heartbreaking and it's just mm-hmm. shown us how much we as a church so while our assembly is mixed it has all different races and ethnicities it's primarily indian and so our kids were just sharing with us how certain things have made them feel um and how often they felt loved and cared for in a different way than we care and love our fellow indians and then the hard thing about that is that a lot of it are you know immigrants so immigrants also have certain ways of looking at things and their own certain biases so in terms of my christian circle it's a lot of we need to talk about the issue we need to admit that there is an issue we need to reconcile the fact that we are part of the issue and then we need one ask for forgiveness and then two actually come up with action steps of okay this is how we are going to address this problem uh not just say okay there's a problem so let me jump in here and just ask the simple question how do you respond to somebody that says there is no systemic racism that this is all a political move to forward a certain agenda what is your response to that um i think a couple things one Acknowledging that systemic racism that specifically and negatively affects Black people, the fact that that exists doesn't mean that you as a non-Black person don't have things working against you either. You know, we're not, it's pointing out one demographic's troubles that they've struggled with. It's not denying that other people also struggle, but we're just pointing back to the history of how Black people came to America. Originally, it was slavery, whereas you go to the history of how um, South Asian people came to America. It was actually because of, originally because of the Civil Rights Bill of the 60s. So that Civil Rights Bill of the 60s made way for the bill the next year that basically allowed um, South Asian and other Asian countries, um, basically allowed immigration from those countries for people who were like, like genius visa, basically like come here to work. So all of a sudden immigration is coming from India, from other countries, and it's people coming with jobs, people coming for specific purposes, people that are already like educated, already sort of, you know, have that one leg up just simply because of an education and they're coming already promised a job. To the people that say that systemic racism doesn't exist, I would encourage them to just look up different resources and like what funds my public high school are my taxes. It's not, and there are federal dollars and federal grants, but it's primarily my taxes. So when you think about poorer neighborhoods that have been poorer for many years, that's what the taxes are to go into those neighborhoods versus the richer neighborhoods. And it, the like whole like rich poor neighborhoods, there are many reasons for it. One of the things that if you wanna look further into it, you can look into redlining, which basically separated out districts and it, people that were in, you know, red line districts, it was harder for them to get loans. It was, it was just harder for them to build up um, wealth because it was harder for them to get a college education and it was harder for them to buy houses, which is like what you need, what you need loans for essentially. And so when you talk about systemic issues, you think about the kid who lives in a poorer neighborhood, um, their access to Uh, free tutors, their access to a good public education, their access to quality health care, all of that is just completely different than in a different neighborhood than their non-Black counterpart. 
Reba, your thoughts on how the church should respond to this this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction is, why are we surprised? The murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, many other people, this isn't new. None of this is new. There have been protests before. The, even the I can't breathe, that happened in Long Island. That happened 45 minutes away from me, where the man used the exact same statement as the officer killed him. You know, none of this is new. So now we get to this boiling point, this tipping point. It's like, well, why are we surprised, right? So that was my first reaction. And the second is, it goes when we think about the origins and the instigation of the actual violence. When we watch videos, most of the videos I'm seeing are non-Black people destroying property and Black people trying to stop them saying, hey, don't do that because when you do, like you do this, but they'll blame us. You're gonna destroy property, you're gonna throw things at cops, but they'll blame us. From what I've seen, and actually not even just from what I've seen, the Pittsburgh Police Departments and the Minneapolis Police Department, and there might be more at this point, there probably is, they actually put out statements saying the people that they arrested who were um, taking part in the violence and instigating the violence, they found out that the majority of them were out of state people. They weren't people in the town there to protest. They were there specifically to take a peaceful protest and turn it into something it's not and completely derail it. And that's and, and we've seen it, right? And the sad part about it from the Christian point of view, what I've seen more Christians posting about is they're posting about the rioting, the looting, they're posting about, and I don't think riots in general are bad, but like, you know, the looting and the violence, they're posting about that before even posting or before even stating like, hey, I believe that black lives matter, you know? And that is just so sad because it's saying, so you are way more concerned about the destruction of property than you are about the lives of black people. And I'm not saying that it's not something to not care about. I'm just saying, check your priorities when you're speaking up. A lot of communication is digital. And in your digital communication, you're only sharing information about the violence and about the looting. What does that say, you know, um, to the black person who's looking at your social media or to anyone that's looking at your social media? So it's just a little, I think we need to reprioritize what we care about and when we speak what we care about. And a lot of it, a lot of the writing also from the videos, and so this happened in NYPD, right? And we saw this happen in DC at Lafayette Park. Completely peaceful protests, and then the cops just start with the tear gas, with the, I forget what they're called, flashbangs or something, it just makes loud noises. Um, and the rubber bullets, which, by the way, do hurt and injure people. Peaceful protesters doing, you know, peacefully expressing their pain, and then all of a sudden they're tear gassed. It happened in New York. It happened in D.C. In Philly, they literally cornered people into a place so that, you know, if tear gas is used to move people, I, I don't understand it, but okay, maybe that's what they're saying. Oh, we're using tear gas to clear people. But when you corner them so they can't go anywhere, they are literally trapped on a block and they can't get anywhere. And in DC, uh, there's these videos of basically all the people that live on that street were opening their doors and saying, come in, come in, come in, because they couldn't get out. So you're tear gassing people who can't even get out, which just makes you wonder, why are we using this? You know, is it really to control anything or is it just to show a force? Talking about 
the rioting and the looting over talking about Black Lives Matter and talking about condemning racism, it completely derails the conversation. And we have to think about how that comes off to other people. We have to think about what that says to the people on our social media, on our platforms that see what we talk about. Okay, so Reba as a Christian would rather talk about the looting than she would talk about the violence against Black lives. I mean, I thought she was a Christian. I thought she was supposed to care about all lives, but I'm only seeing things about, I'm only seeing Fox News segments about the looting. Like, and I, I don't ever, I don't ever want to be a hindrance to someone coming to the faith in that way, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the Lord is doing the work in that person's heart, but I don't want to work against that in any way. And I, I've just seen so many Christians post about that or talk about that exclusively. And it's, it's just sad. That brings up a question that I'm afraid to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway, <laughs> because I think it needs to be said and I might get roasted for this. But it seems like Christians, especially conservative Christians, have the hardest time understanding racism and systemic racism. I've heard this myself. Any of these people, we can pick a whole bunch of these people that were killed, these black people that were killed. And the comment is, yeah, but they were criminals. Or, yeah, but they committed a crime. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean they should be killed. It doesn't mean they should be mistreated. It doesn't mean that they don't deserve the same treatment that that white people would get. You know, if four African-American women in a car would get treated differently than four white women in a car, just because something happens that might cause a warrant for arrest, it certainly doesn't push things to the, to the next level. It seems it's almost a political issue where you have white uh, Republican views that are predominantly established in the conservative churches. Am I totally off the wall or is, or is that on track? On the money. So if that's true, yeah. how, how do we even tackle the church's view on this? So yes, I've definitely noticed a reluctance among Christians to want to speak about issues of racial injustice in general and racial violence. And I'm not claiming I know all the reasons why, but I can just share personally what I've been hearing. So one of the things I've heard is, you know, racial issues aren't really a thing or they're not as big as everyone makes it out to be. And honestly, I don't think anything that I'm going to say right now is going to convince someone um, who doesn't believe that racial injustice and racial violence exists in this country. However, I would urge them to learn more about the issue. Specifically, there are plenty of Christian speakers speaking about this now. Uh, there's the Be a Bridge program, which seeks to speak to the issue from a biblical perspective, and specifically to listen to Black voices on these issues, right? Because um, they'll be able to speak to the magnitude of these problems far better than I ever could in a way that I never could. So if someone out there is really questioning that if racial injustice even exists, I'd urge them to consider that the people that are out there protesting, they're not protesting about a made-up problem, and it's not a small problem either. It's literally an issue of life and death, and just because we might not see it with our own two eyes doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Another thing that I've heard is, you know, Christians go on the Black Lives Matter, the specific movement, uh, and the organization's website, and they read some of the things, and they're just alarmed by it. And for 
me personally, the Black Lives Matter movement and the organization, they're not a Christian organization. And therefore, I wouldn't expect them to hold to a biblical worldview and have biblical tenets in, you know, their statements. So when I think of Black Lives Matter, that's that's all I think of, right? I think of the statement that Black lives do matter, especially in this country that so often treats them as dispensable. I want to just make it clear that, yes, you are a person that is made in the image of God. Your life matters to God and your life matters to me. And at the end of the day, it's not about whether we use the phrase Black Lives Matter or not. It's about whether we live that phrase. Do we treat each and every person as someone that is made in the image of God, you know? And for me, the easiest and most straightforward way to stand with my brothers and sisters to speak out specifically in this issue is just to say the phrase Black Lives Matter because, I mean, it's exactly what I said. It's the most straightforward, direct way, um, and it's the most recognizable way right now as well. And the last thing that I've sort of heard is, I've actually seen this where Christian athletes or Christian musicians, you know, they might post a Black Lives Matter post or they might say something along those lines. And then all of a sudden I see all these responses and it's, man, I can't believe that uh, you're playing into their hand or wow, you're falling into this leftist trap, yada, yada, yada. And honestly, those always confuse me so much because all of a sudden, somehow, this is a political issue, and I never understood that. I never understood why an issue of life and death, why an issue of someone's worth is somehow a political issue, when ultimately, it's just about the fact that people are being valued less simply because of the color of their skin, and therefore, they're treated less, and it has gravely affected them in this country right? It's saying to someone else, man, your worth is in something else other than Jesus Christ. And that's never been a political issue for me, but somehow that's what it's turned into. You know, there's just people that are like, oh yeah, of course this is happening in an election year, etc., etc. And I mean, to that, it's like, well, I mean, George Floyd died in 2020, right? Uh, Breonna Taylor died in 2020. Ahmaud Arbery died in 2020. And these things have always been going on, right? These are protests that have happened before. These are issues that people have spoken up about before. But there was just a boiling point. It was a tipping point. And I believe, you know, the story about uh, Amy Cooper in Central Park the day before. And then on Monday, the video of George Floyd's murder comes out and And yeah, for the black activists and the people that were already out there, you know, speaking about issues of racial injustice known with the stories of Ahmaud Arbery, with Breonna Taylor, this was just the last straw. It was just the tipping point, the boiling point. And so, yeah, this has never been a political issue in my eyes. It's always just been a people issue, a human issue, and an issue that we as believers should care about. And I guess I would just, you know, I would encourage believers to think, hey, if we're seeing this as a political issue, if we're seeing this as 
some sort of left versus right, Republican versus Democrat. I mean, we just have to think about what that says, right? Because racial injustice, uh, the lives of black Americans, it's not a political issue. It is just an issue of people's worth and an issue of racial injustice and one that we as believers, I think, have a responsibility to speak up about because it is making a clear and a clear statement about the value of another's life. Uh, I've been really uh, thankful for your perspectives and and just over the last week, just to rethink this whole situation has been personally uh, good for me to evaluate my implicit bias and what are the things that I need to to do as a Christian and to stand up and say, yeah, I'm white, but I can stand with those that are being oppressed and those that are being unfairly treated and, and, and mistreated and say, call it what it is. It's sin. You know, the racism is sin. God, God created every one of us equal. He loves every one of us equally. And the Lord Jesus died for every one of us uh, equally. And, and that's God's way. You know, he loves every culture and every race. And it's, it's just a wonderful thing for us to be talking. So as we wrap this up, you know, what's, what's your, your big takeaway? What do you want people to recognize or even just to think about as we, as we wrap up this conversation? To my fellow Christians, Jesus Christ is the ultimate hope for all, and sin is the ultimate um, root of all problems, right? Not just racism, but all problems. But this specific sin issue manifests itself in people treating people of different races differently. So yes, it's a sin issue, but it's a sin issue that is racial in nature and effect. So we do need to talk about the specific issue of uh, racial injustice. And because it's a sin issue, a lot of Christians are like, yes, Jesus is the answer. And that's what they want to say. And I agree with you. I am not disagreeing with the fact that Jesus is the answer. And he's the one that's ultimately going to change hearts, right? Not standing up for specific different injustices or anything. But when we end the conversation, when we just say Jesus is the answer, we fall short of adequately addressing the problem. And it even comes off as dismissive because we could say the same thing about abortion. You know, we could say Jesus is the answer. So why, like, I'm just going to say Jesus is the answer. I'm not going to go actively say anything against it right? And yet that's not the case. We see people actively fight against it all the time. Just that I I want people to consider, right? How can we, with the same mouth, share the truth of the gospel, right? And share about a hope for all and share about the hope found in Jesus Christ, but then we stay silent in issues of racial injustice. Or how can anyone take us seriously if we're going to talk about issues of ultimate justice, but we don't even address the very real problems that people face today. Um, Like where is the, you know, the consistency and character in that, I guess. And then the last thing I want to say is just that Black Lives Matter, right? And that is not a controversial statement. It's just a statement of fact, right? And speaking up for injustices shouldn't be controversial either. And the reason that we specifically are speaking up about Black Lives and we're saying specifically Black Lives Matter, is because over and over and over again in this country, we've seen how Black people are the ones 
that have been so negatively affected, um, that have been killed, beaten down, the systemic racism, just so many things. So yeah, I just want to leave you guys with Black Lives Matter is not a controversial statement. I'm not talking about I, I'm not talking about the group or the organization. I'm saying saying Black Lives Matter is not a controversial statement. It's just a statement of fact. And we specifically talk about Black lives because they're the specific hurting population right now. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, for being willing to engage in this conversation, which uh, has is been long overdue in the church. And I know I'm thankful that many other people are starting to talk about this in the church. I really hope and pray that what has happened in the States in the last week, you know, the, the riots, the, the everything, you know, we don't want to see bad things happen, but I really hope it does make a difference. And I hope that a year from now, it's not simply just forgotten and gone back to the way it was. I mean, we didn't even talk about COVID and all of this and we won't talk about it, but a lot of things are changing. And I really pray and hope that when it comes to this issue, that the church changes, that we all change as individuals, and that countries, that, that the systemic problem starts to get resolved. So that, you know, however long, uh, you know, as Christians, we believe we're gonna be here on this earth before Jesus comes back or before we're taken to heaven, that things get better. So that our brothers and sisters and, and, and just in general, people are treated equally and fairly and uh that would be a wonderful thing to see happen tune in next week to hear more church chat by assembly hub